I'm Amanda Kessner, and this is The Bellycast, a podcast for anyone with a womb borrowed or otherwise. I'm a birth doula, and I wanted to create a podcast for people to listen to stories about birth and pregnancy and the various perspectives that come along with it. Today, I'll be talking to founder of Swiss Cheese Childcare Collective, Vicki Machiavello. Vicki had two home births and one miscarriage. Today is our first episode, and I hope you enjoy it. If I were to, you know, I've had two children, and if I were to identify sort of the running themes between the two birth experiences, my first birth was about doubt, and my second birth was about surrender. And I think both births had that, those themes in them, but the first birth was 28 hours, um, the first 16, the first 12 of them were just like walking around having menstrual cramps, you know, oh, this is weird, I think there's a baby coming, probably not a baby coming. The entire time I was in labor with my first son, it was about doubt. Every time I turned around, there was some part of me that was like, you can't do this. You're not going to be able to do this. You're going to, you're doing something wrong. You should be in the hospital. Like, it's not going to happen for you. The baby's not, you know, there was just this like running, like dialogue in my head. It wasn't the only thing happening. There was a lot of other stuff happening. It was very, very present. All of the information is coming from inside of you. It's all coming from, all of the information about my birth was coming from me. My mom spent a lot of time going getting in, going in and out of hospitals my whole life. Not related to birth, just going in and out of hospitals. Always hospitals, hospitals, hospitals. And I, it just seemed like it was this weird cycle of, you know, disease and unhappiness. And, and so I, when it came time to have a baby, it just made sense to me that I would do it at home. I don't know why. I, um, we... Um, home birth just made sense to me it just made sense that I would trust my body until the time that I could no longer trust my body and I guess I should back up and also say that Hinato's mom had all of her babies at home you know my husband's mom but they lived in a small rural area where there was no local hospital and so her his grandmother was actually the midwife in the town in Argentina where um they him and his brothers were born so he I also had his support in like this is just how it just was the way we're going to do it, you know, and I'm in the tub and I'm, I'm in the tub and I don't know how long it's been. I can't tell you chronologically, you know, where we're at. Um, you lose sense of time. I mean, you lose sense of time. You know, it's been a long time. You know, it's been really hard, but you kind of lose sense of time. I don't know where I'm at in the process, but I kind of look up at my husband and Carlin, my, our birth attendant and the midwife and her apprentice. And I'm like, I don't think I can do this. I think Good I need night. to go to the... Good night, Good night. sweetie. I love you. Good night, Oak. I'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Okay. Good night. Mom, what are you eating? I'm not eating anything. I'm, I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> okay, bye. bye. Oh, why is there a piece of a chocolate chocolate? <laughs> That's mine that I brought Good night. for me to eat. We ate them. Good night. I love you. Uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna have another bite. Let's just get rid of this. <laughs> the contraband that's been found. <laughs> We're really going crazy down here. Anyway, Uh-oh. um, so I don't know where I'm at with the process, but I look at all these people kind of in the room, and I'm like, I can't do this. I think I need to go to the hospital. That's what I said out loud. And my friend Carlin's like, Vicky, if you go to the hospital, you still have to have the baby. Oh God. And I was like. 
all right, let's do it. Let's just have a stand, baby, you know? Because yeah. I don't know what I thought I was going to, I don't know what I thought was going to save me. I don't know what, you know, and in my, you know, I'm in a room in a birth tub in what will be my baby's room and it's candlelit and the lights are low and it's quiet and it's all about me. And every time I have a contraction, someone's pushing on my back to like help my hips open and peeing in the water. I mean, like all these things are happening, but for some reason, my doubt's telling me there's some magical thing that's going to happen somewhere else. And then I voiced it and someone's like, it's not going to change what you have to do. And so I made a decision in that moment that I was just going to like see it out. And it, it was kind of this sort of slap in the face of like, sure, go if you want. But in my mind, once she said that, I was like, oh, then I'm going to have to get in the car. You mentioned this before. I, I'd love to hear you talk about what getting midwifery care is like during your pregnancy. In my research about midwives, I was surprised at how much stuff they brought with them. Yeah. You know, I, it was one of my interview questions when I first asked was like, what do you come with? And I didn't know. I like sort of had that ignorant mentality that it's like, you know, a carving knife and <laughs> some hot towels and water, you know, because water. that's sort of like yeah. how, what you believe. But they have oxygen for both you and the baby. They have Pitocin. They have this whole, they have a whole kit of things that... And somewhere in my stuff, if I can find out, oh, um, is a picture. My the, Our birth attendant took a picture. She was amazed at, like, all the – they, like, set up the kitchen table with all the stuff, you know. They have all these things. You know, they can't do a C-section. Um, they can't – you know, there's a lot of things that they can do. Um, so – and that actually surprised me because they, they ended up having more where I thought it was less. Not that – you know, prenatal care when – you are working with a midwife is how prenatal care should just be. I don't know. And this is worth all the out-of-pocket expense to me is that the the midwives that I chose to work with for both births were midwives that come to your home. There are other midwives where you spend the first part of your pregnancy going to their office. But regardless of whether you go there or they come to you, you get time. You get like an hour, sometimes two hours. You have tea. You have Snacks. These people find out about you. They make all the space for your kid to run in and be an obnoxious two-year-old, if that's what your kid is. Or sweet. Maybe people have sweet children. I don't know. Um, so, um, you know, there's all this space for them to get to. They want to know you and your family. They want to know. So when you go into birth, it's people that you don't mind looking at your hoo-ha, you know? Because you've established, like, emotional trust with them. They also look at your hoo-ha. You know, they also, like, that's a terrible Make you Why am I using that word on this podcast? They look at your vagina. Your vagina. it's very vulnerable making. It's totally vulnerable. And, but so, so a midwife, prenatal midwife care looks like all this emotional time where you're talking and you're having feelings and you're like, they're like, it's okay to break down and yeah, you should be scared and all those things. Or awesome that you're in the superhero trimester and you're scrubbing your house. You know, all of those things are totally supported and talked about and discussed. So you don't feel like you're crazy. Um, but there's also a clinical component. But there's also a clinical component where they like, all right, now it's time to go upstairs and let's take your blood pressure and let's draw blood for the this, that, or that test. Let's listen to the heartbeat. Let's check your, you know, whatever. Like, there's all sorts of things that they, that they do. Um, and they track it all, you know. 
they measure your belly. They measure the your where your um, where your uterus is measuring. Like how far are you? And you know, there's it's all there's a clinical component and an emotional component, and just a general like this is a big deal component. Not everyone's no. a candidate for a home birth, you know, for various health reasons, emotional reasons. And does that mean that you can't get all of the great benefits right. of the midwifery right. model of care, that kind of psychological right. and emotional support? support. Right. And, and I would draw a distinction for your listeners that midwives will not take on risk, risk cases. Right. So you're never going to, if you decide to go with a midwife, and at some point she comes up against something in your birth or in your pregnancy that says this is an at risk this is a red flag this is a red flag that we can't deal with that i you know they're not going to be like well let's just try like right. they don't play with fire they're just not going to do it it's not how they do it so and that really and i learned that in my um interview process that you know midwife saying like we're not going to we don't we only work with like I don't know what the right word is, like normal pregnancies or pregnancies that are like progressing normally. Yeah, like, you know, and so that I think that's a really great distinction, you know, to make because there's this way that people are like, oh, midwives are crazy. And they're like, you know, back there's this way that they've been like made to think that, but it's not. They take, it's it's interesting. I think it's really relevant to say that no home birth midwife is going to let you have a home birth if you were no. not a good candidate for a home birth. No. And what's a shame about that is that the folks that aren't candidates for home birth have to have this other model of care. Right. So there needs to be some kind of compromise yeah. because just because you're having a home birth doesn't mean that you desire to have a birth with fluorescent lighting. Right. It doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that it's just yeah. that you really wanted to labor in a paper dress. Twelve weeks into Vicky's second pregnancy, she had a miscarriage. I say I tell this this part of the story because I feel like I had two first trimesters with Sage. So I feel like there were two first trimesters. I was working with the midwife, my midwife for both of them. So I think this is a really big testament to the model of care. And um, I'm gonna get emotional. And um, she, it was a day that she was in the city and my husband was in the city and I was here at home with my son who, that was probably the last nap he ever took in his life. Um, um, And nobody in our life was around to get me to the hospital. And I called her and I said, I just bled through three pads in five minutes and I'm filling up the toilet with blood. And she said, you have to call the ambulance. And it was the last thing I wanted to do. I totally didn't want to do that. And um, I had to do it. And um, I called the paramedics, and my brother-in-law's friend came and um, to pick up some music equipment and asked if I needed any help as I'm, like, bleeding through my pants. Frankly. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, could you um, get me a towel and then go be with my son because I need to get in this ambulance right now. My midwife happened to catch up as I was pulling up. I don't know if I should say this, but she told the ambulance that she was my sister. And the, ambu- the, the paramedic was like, your sister's here. Could she get in the car? And I was like, you're the, you know, had no idea who he was talking about. But I Smart. assumed if somebody was saying they were my sister, yes. <clears throat> and she got in with in the ambulance with us. And she was with me the whole time in the hospital. 
you know. Um, she was sneaking me, like, um, chicken broth sips when the hospital was, like, telling me I couldn't eat. You know, I don't, this is only going to get her fired. Maybe don't put this on the podcast, but uh, fine. I don't, you know, basically she was caring for me. You know, she was caring for me. You know, the home birth plan is like, you know, what do you imagine it to be like? And and I, what I wanted was it to be, sh- I wanted it to be shorter than my first birth. I wanted uh, to do it when my other son was n- asleep. Those were my thoughts. And then my midwife put it to me. She said, and what are your thoughts about hemorrhaging? And I was like, well, I don't really feel like I have any control over that. I don't. And it was really, when she said that to me, I was like, it was like a, literally like a wrench in my works. Because I had no, I had n- no thought that I could control that. And I don't think I did necessarily, but that I had any control over that. And she said, well, let's just say you envision your birth, you know, what about not? You know, could you put out the intention that you don't hemorrhage? And I said, yeah, sure. Like not believing that I'd have any control over it. Or, and and I say that think, acting like I did have a control over it. But I put out the possibility after this conversation that, okay, let's say for my hypothetical birth plan that I don't hemorrhage. And I didn't with Sage. And what I mean by surrender is that the contractions were happening. They were hard and they were fast. And I went into them. I didn't, I knew I would survive this time. Where the first time around, I wasn't so sure I could survive the pain. But this time, I just knew it. So I just went towards them. I just went towards them, and I went towards them. And the birth tub never got set up. There's no time. I got in the bathtub for, like, I don't even know, five contractions. And then I got out. And I just had these contractions, and I was, like, howling. And I was, like, going to the ground. And I was surrounding them. And there was no time. Once it started happening, there was, like, no time in between them. There was no time to catch my breath. Um... And then I'm like, this baby's transitioning. Michelle, this baby's transitioning. And she's just like, go with your body. Just go with your body. And I'm like, all right, I'm going with my body. And then I feel like I'm going to pee. And I'm like, Michelle, I feel like I'm going to pee. And she's like, go with your body. And there's this moment. This is what I mean by surrender. There's this moment in my birth when my water still hasn't broken. My water hasn't broken yet. I'm standing on the edge of my, I'm standing at the edge of my bed, holding onto my bed. And I feel my brain or I hear my brain say, I can push this baby through the bag of waters. I might have even said it out loud. I can push this baby through the bag of waters. And Michelle goes, just follow your body. And I felt in my mind say, no, this isn't how it's supposed to be. Last time, I they had to break the bag of waters. I got stuck last time. Like I had all this like story that came up about what happened before. And I remember hearing that or seeing experiencing that thought process and then going no I'm just gonna do this right now and I grunt and I had a contraction and I grunted and the baby came out in like two minutes in like two pushes so the labor was two hours yeah I called her at one o'clock he was born at 306 yeah and I do think that a lot of it had to do with surrender yeah that one moment specifically where my mind tried to tell me that this wasn't right because last time it looked this other way. Right. I had to, I made a conscious choice in that moment to surrender to the way it was this time, right. which meant it felt like I was going to pee. I wasn't going to pee. What I was going to do is break a baby through a bag of waters. And that's the thing I think about birth, whether you have it in a hospital or whether you have it at your home, it, you have to surrender. You have to. If you're in the hospital, you have to, there's a different kind of surrender that happens. And birth is hard. It's hard if you have a C-section. It's hard if you have it in the... It's hard if you have it in the backseat of your car. It's hard. It's hard work and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. 
if you have it at home, it doesn't make it any easier. It makes it easier for certain things. There wasn't 15 different people coming in telling me a different story every time about what was happening for me. That was easier. Was the labor any easier? The second time it was shorter after miscarrying, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it just, there's like no magic. And that's, I think, the thing. I mean, if you want philosophy from me, I think that's the thing that people get caught up about, about all this medical intervention. It doesn't make it easier. It doesn't. Right. It doesn't make it easier. It's hard work. It's going to hurt, and you can do it. My favorite Ina May Gaskin quote is, your body is not a lemon. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with your body. Yeah, no. And this conversation that I have with every woman that I've ever worked with is, you know, it's kind of posing this question, are you going to surrender to your body? Right. Your body already knows what to do. And like quoting right. Michelle now, are you going to go with your body? Yeah. Because it's going somewhere. Okay. Yeah. Are you going to yeah. go with it? Are you going to surrender? Like, this is happening. Yeah. Um, or are you going to resist it? Yeah. Thanks again for listening to The Bellycast. That was Vicki Machiavello talking about her experience having two home births and a miscarriage. Vicky's experience is different and similar to many other women. Um, you'll notice that Vicky talks about paying out of pocket. Not all home births are paid for out of pocket. Some private insurance does cover home birth. You can learn more about home birth and hospital birth at our website, thebellycast.com. This show was created by me and my co-producer and editor, Wenda Hasey. Thanks again, and we hope to talk to you soon.